Hello, and welcome into Airing It Out, a Penn State podcast brought to you by the Center Daily Times. I'm your host, John Sauber, and I'm joined, as always, by Josh Moyer. Josh, how's it going? Ah, going well. So far, so good, John. How are you doing today? I'm doing good. Uh, big big win for Penn State basketball last night. Kept me up later than I think most people are up, a little more in, in tune with my sleep schedule, but still, you know, working late is is always a, a bit of a fun time. And, you know, now, of course, moving on to football and, and, and the big news, of course, from this week, and I think the news that everybody's looking at is that your beloved Ricky Ronnie has moved on from Happy Valley and is now moving on to Old Dominion, where he will be the head coach. I know, I know fans are, are heartbroken. And, and listen, I'll, I'll say this about Ricky Ronnie first. I mean, last season was atrocious. He, he, he was awful. But, but this year, you know, <clears throat> I thought he showed, you know, clear improvement. Uh, you know, there was still, you know, certainly a, a number of head scratchers. You know, the fade to K.J. Hamler um, is, is unforgettable. Uh, certainly some red zone calls I'm sure he would like to have back. But, you know, my thought was, you know, at least he's improving and, and maybe next season, uh, you know, he'll, he'll actually be a, a really good coordinator. But, yeah, I, I, I don't think there's a lot of love lost between fans and Ricky Ronnie. And, and John, I, I don't know if you can think of anybody else, but when's the last time a, a team has finished in the top 10 and one of their coordinators has – voluntarily moved to a terrible group of five team. I mean, Old Dominion won one game this season. Like this, this seems like pretty unprecedented to me. Yeah. I, th- I thought it was really odd. Uh, you know, we had first seen reporting from Adam Rittenberg prior to the weekend that, that Ronnie was a, a candidate and, you know, dug into it a little bit more. And on, you know, we found out uh, over the weekend that this was very real. Uh, and I was, I was almost in, in a little bit of disbelief because it didn't, seem to make a ton of sense, uh, especially for a guy who has been quoted in the past as saying that he doesn't want to be a head coach. Uh, I believe that was actually this past off season. So that's a pretty quick turn yeah, for a guy. I think he was actually, now the, uh, the athletic did write that story this off season, but I think that quote was taken from 2017, but he has said throughout his career here that, you know, he, he does not have aspirations to be a head coach. Well, and, fake news. Yeah. And, and here we are. Uh, not long later, two years later from him saying it, uh, what, about six, seven months from it being published, and he's a head coach uh, at a school that he's going to probably have a really hard time finding success at. And if he does, I think it, it says a lot about, you know, uh, him as a coach. And, you know, I, I think he has a chance to succeed there because, I, you know, we, we dinged him a lot and said the, the decision-making wasn't great, but he's still very young. Uh, I believe he's 39 years old. That is, you know, really, really young in the coaching profession. Uh, has a chance uh, to a lot of coaches seem to call him a rising star. We've seen James Franklin calling that, uh, you know, and, and I think he, I think he could find success there. I think you could find enough success there. I should say to, you know, sort of move up the ladder from there, but it's odd because I kind of view moving up the ladder from there as an offensive coordinator position at somewhere like Penn state. <laughs> so it's, it's sort of, maybe one day he'll earn that position. <laughs> yeah. John maybe one day. But, you know, for now, like, it, it's, again, I, it was sort of, it was really shocking. Uh, I, w- I was surprised. I thought, you know, Brent Pry would be the one that we would be looking at this offseason as a guy that was going to make a move. And here we are with with Ricky Ronnie as the one that goes. And like you said, I don't think there's a lot of love lost from Penn State fans. Uh, there were a lot of complaints about him. I totally agree with you. I think, you know, we were both hard on him early in the year, rightfully so, for what he had done uh, in 2018. And he improved quite a bit this year. Uh, and you're right. There were decisions that were pretty bad. And there were also some that were really, really good. Uh, one that sticks out is the, the pitch play to Noah Kane uh, near the goal line against Iowa that, that 
uh, got, I believe, I can't remember if it was, it was the two point conversion or the touchdown that game, but ultimately was a, a huge play in that game. Uh, and, and Penn State ended up winning in part because of the, that play call. Uh, now, like you said, up and down uh, is a is pretty accurate for him. Uh, it wasn't always good, and I think Penn State fans tend to stick to the bad and when he was bad. But when he was good, he was really good, uh, and I think that's part of that is youth and part of that is inexperience. And he's got a chance to grow now, but he's in a position to grow and sort of have to do it on the fly because now he's got a whole uh, program to oversee. Yeah, yeah. I, I think his, his legacy at Penn State, if, if you could sum it up in three words, John, fourth and five. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I don't think we need to explain that. I, I think everybody knows what it is. You know, I think that, you know, it's those types of plays that that really, you know, baffled fans and, and didn't exactly make him a, a fan favorite. But but yeah, you know, w- with Old Dominion, I mean, the expectations are low. If he, you know, let's say he wins four games there next year. It's not like he's on the hot seat. I mean, this is this is a pretty safe job right now. I mean, you know, at least you have some stability. I'm I'm certainly curious to see. uh you know, who he hires on his staff. Um, I watched his press conference earlier today, and he said that um, that's something that, that moving forward he's going to take his time with. And, and he may not even have the staff in place uh, prior to, to, to signing day, and, and that's okay with him. But, um, you know, kind of, kind of a little addendum. The thing that I thought was most interesting from the press conference, he said that he was offered the, uh, an official from Old Dominion said he was offered the job 11.30 a.m. Monday during a recruiting trip to New York, accepted it on the spot, and then immediately drove back to State College and, and didn't finish his recruiting visit. So not only do we have a coach who said that he never wanted to be a head coach before, but it's a guy who, you know, according to Old Dominion, didn't hesitate, you know, offered a, an Old Dominion job, takes it immediately. I mean, that's what I think makes this, this whole thing even more surprising. But, you know, again, I, I, I certainly think Penn State, um, you know, shouldn't have a problem finding a coordinator who's as good or better um, should probably be better, um, you know, than, than Ronnie. And, and maybe in two, three years, you know, it's, you know, Ronnie is this, this rising star who's being looked at, you know, for these big jobs. But, you know, right now in this offense, uh, I really think this is kind of a, you know, a push. I don't think this is necessary. I don't think this is overly positive right now because we don't know who they're going to hire yet, but I really don't think it's overly negative either. I mean, the fact that you had a four-star tight end commit on the same day, as Ronnie leaving and something tells me he probably knew about that before he left you know I I really think there's zero cause for concern here if that needs to be said yeah no I'm totally with you there I just I think it's funny too that you know they mentioned he he accepted on the spot I get the very strong feeling that he came away from that interview expecting to have that job offered and did the mulling over over the weekend and that's why it was I mean, easy that's... to accept right away because if we, <laughs> we, 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 we see all of these coaching searches that nobody gets offered the job, you know, that we got our number one candidate. He was the guy the whole time. And I do think that was true here that, that Ronnie was probably the number one candidate, but you know, we hear athletic departments sort of, you know, uh, sort of mess with the truth a little bit sometimes. Uh, and I, I definitely get the, the indication. Lie? Yeah. Lie. <laughs> uh, with, I definitely get the indication that that was the case here and that, you know, the decision was probably made before Monday and there was some negotiating involved until, you know, it was announced Monday afternoon. Um, but you're right. I, I don't think Penn State loses much here. There's a chance they could downgrade, but I think it's more likely that they upgrade or stay the same. Uh, I'll be interested to see what, what direction Penn State goes here because there's a lot of ways they can take this. They can go young up and comer. They can go, you know, uh, FCS level head coach like they did with Joe Moorhead at Fordham. They could you know, try and poach someone from a, a high-level power five school. They could take someone that's had a lot of success at a group of five school. 
uh, that you have options. You're, you know, you're a top 10 program. Uh, SP Plus had their offense as number 17 in the country, and that was actually their worst unit, which I'm sure Penn State fans would agree with uh, based on what we've seen from, from their opinions of Ricky Ronnie. And, you know, he's, he's actually got a really tough task ahead because I don't know if you know this, but Old Dominion ranked number 129 in offensive SP Plus. And for those of you that don't know, there are 130 FBS schools. So Was Rutgers last? No, no. Surprisingly, Rutgers was not last. It was Akron. So, you know, it's 0-12 Akron, unsurprisingly the worst. Rutgers was at 121. So, so I mean, they probably moved up after the game against yeah. Penn State, you know, sadly. That, w- that would be my guess. Those six points really vaulted them forward. Uh, but, yeah, the Penn State's got a lot of ways they can go here. A lot of reason to believe that it's going to be an upgrade no matter who they hire. And, I, I honestly really think they could go a number of different directions here. You know, what, what are you thinking as far as what they should look for in an offensive coordinator, maybe some, you know, traits that you think they should be after? Well, be, before we get to that, if it's okay, I, you know, everybody's talking about, you know, who it should be or who it shouldn't be. Um, I, I know you have, uh, you know, kind of an interesting theory on who it might be. I'd like to talk about who it will not be. <laughs> first. You know, like, like I, I thought it was hilarious. Uh, in the pen life comments, they, they, they tweet this out and my friend pointed this out. Um, they were, <laughs> they were stumping for Jay Paterno saying that he had coached three of the best quarterbacks in Penn state history and Clark and Robinson. I know, but Hey, we're, we're, we're not bringing up Rutgers this week. So if you need something to laugh at, I mean, I yeah, there, there, you go. there it is for you. Th- that was hilarious. But you know, I know Joe Brady is on, uh, you know, everybody's wish list. Uh, that is a huge long shot. I mean, you know, there's a guy, and I know we talked before the show, you mentioned how um, he kind of went back on his comments a little bit when he said he wanted to stay at LSU, but, you know, he seems like, you know, certainly, you know, an NFL coach, and um, even if he would, for some reason, come to Penn State because they decided to pay him a bunch of money, he's not a guy who's going to stay very long. I mean, I mean, he's a really hot coaching candidate. You know, it, it's certainly not going to be him. Matt Linegrover, the offensive line coach, does not want to be a coordinator. Um, you know, that's something that, uh, you know, he, he's a little bit older. He just didn't want that responsibility. Um, had it at Minnesota, didn't have a lot of fun, doesn't need to do that anymore. Um, you know, we have, you know, the receivers coach, Jared Parker, not going to be him. Uh, <laughs> I don't think we really need to explain that. He's only been on the staff for a year. Um, it's not like Justin Shorter had a breakout year. The receivers were not fantastic. Um, outside of that, um, Tyler Bowen, I think he's a young up-and-comer. If they want to interview him, great. Uh, I don't think he's going to get the job this time. He may, um, you know, after he, the, the next vacancy, he may be the uh, offensive coordinator in rating, kind of in waiting, kind of like Ronnie was with with Moorhead. And then you have J1 Sider, who is, you know, absolutely fantastic recruiter. You know, certain to get some off-season attention, and maybe you at least give him a promotion or a title change, but. Yeah, those are kind of the guys that I feel like, uh, you know, at this point that we probably, you know, aren't going to see, um, you know, take over on a full-time basis. But, you know, interim, you know, we'll certainly see with 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 Cider and, uh, you know, Bone. Those would be my two best guesses for, you know, who will take over for the bowl. But, you know, John, uh, I know you mentioned, uh, uh, again, you used to cover, you know, uh, Indiana. Did some recruiting there just a year ago. So, you know, you've got some ins. You know, uh, what have you been hearing? Yeah, so first off, I, I'm with you. I don't think this will be internal. Uh, I think it would be a big mistake if it were internal, honestly. Uh, this is a high-profile job at this point in time. Franklin has the money to go get someone. He should use the money to go get someone, not to bump someone up. Uh, as far as the bowl game, too, I, I'm, I'm with you. Uh, I tend to lean toward Bowen because he's called plays in this system. 
uh, or at least has offensive coordinator experience. I know Andrew Briner called plays when he was the head coach and Bowen was the offensive coordinator at Fordham, but yeah, for Fordham. None, nonetheless still an offensive coordinator at one point in the past in this exact offense. Uh, as far as, as Indiana, you're right. Uh, I do have a connection there and, and, you know, I covered the team in the past and I covered the team this past spring uh, when Kalen DeBoer was named offensive coordinator there at Indiana. And I think that would be a phenomenal fit for this Penn state team. Uh, that was an offense that quite frankly has struggled in the past. They had two different quarterbacks. They had to trot out there quite a bit this year. Uh, Peyton Ramsey, uh, a guy who's more of a game manager, Michael Penix, more of a strong arm, uh, makes a ton of plays with those legs. Ramsey can run too. Penix clearly a better athlete though, more designed runs for him. And at the end of the day, Indiana finished with the number 14 offense, according to SB plus that's three spots higher than Penn state. Uh, I, I don't think you can say enough about the job DeBoer did in transforming the offense. I think the big concern there is, one, if Penn State does have interest, uh, which, you know, it seems like there's some tire kicking at least going on there, uh, that, you know, the, this Fresno State opening came open once Jeff Tedford stepped down for health reasons, and DeBoer was the offensive coordinator under Tedford the year before in 2018. That's where he was hired from uh, at Indiana. And honestly, I, I, there, there's a chance, and we've seen, you know, the, the, the rumors that he's the top candidate. I believe Bruce Feldman reported that. And if he's the top candidate, it's hard to envision him taking the Penn State offensive coordinator job or any offensive coordinator job over the head job at Fresno State where he has familiarity. But I think, honestly, that would be a home run hire at this point. Yeah, yeah. I mean, what's so interesting with that, too, is the fact that, you know, Indiana, I know that, uh, you know, Will Levis is no Peyton Ramsey, but the fact that this offense wasn't, you know, they did not skip a beat after the injury to their starter, I think, you know, obviously says a lot. Um, you know, about DeBoer as an offensive coordinator. And, uh, you know, again, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens. I mean, certainly some, some other names we've heard. Uh, you know, I, I hope I'm, I'm pronouncing this right. Uh, Minnesota's offensive coordinator and quarterback coach, uh, Kirk Shiraka. You know, he's a Pennsylvania native, um, you know, used to, uh, you know, work at Western Michigan. You know, he's a guy we've been, you know, hearing a lot about. And obviously, I mean, he's done fantastic this year. You know, Tanner Morgan had a breakout year. I mean, he obviously had some great, uh, you know, wide receivers, you know, to work with there. And, you know, he doesn't make that much money at Minnesota that Penn State should certainly be able, uh, you know, to give him a boost. Um, I know when um, Joe Moore had left, uh, we were hearing um, about uh, Princeton coach at the time. And I don't know if it was James Perry or, or Sean Gleason. I believe um, it would have been Perry at the time, but Gleason, Gleason's actually the one that I'm watching now. Yeah, those are both, you know, certainly guys to watch now. I mean, Gleason now is is with Oklahoma State as the offensive coordinator QB coach, and uh, James Perry is the, the the Brown head coach. But those are are also, you know, two names to keep track of. So, you know, you never know who who James Franklin is is going to talk to on his way. He likes to say he has that thick folder where he has at least ten names for uh, every coaching position, and I'm not sure if the said folder actually exists, but. You know, the fact is that Penn State can go a lot of different routes here. But, you know, I'd say, you know, of all the names we've heard so far and that we've discussed, I, I mean, I certainly don't think any of them would be a downgrade. So, you know, I feel like, you know, of the, the four or five names that, that we feel like would be, uh, you know, strongly considered or at least should be strongly considered, um, you know, I'd say, you know, it's a positive for Penn State moving forward. Yeah, and to sort of go back to something, you, uh, to Sean Gleason real quick, I think if if it's not Kalen DeBoer, I think Gleason's the guy that I would be, you know, after next. Uh, he did phenomenal at Princeton. Uh, there There's some great stories online if you Google his name, uh, Sean Gleason. Bill Connolly did a great story on him uh, and how he sort of just 
finds the defense's weaknesses and he picks you apart. Uh, you know, he, he does a fantastic job of beating teams with the run that can't defend the run and beating teams with the pass that can't defend the past and defend the pass, excuse me. And, you know, putting his guys in a good uh, position to succeed. And honestly, that's probably all you can ask for out of an offensive coordinator is you put them in the spot where they're going to have success. And, you know, if, if he can do that at Oklahoma state, if he can do it at Princeton, he's done it at, you know, uh, Ivy league school, he's done it at power five school. I, I think he can do it at Penn state and, you know, I believe he's from New Jersey as well, which gives him some local recruiting ties. Uh, but that's a guy that, you know, has proven that he can clearly do this at a high level and and should be on the radar there. Um, you know, it'll be interesting to see what happens with him. But, yeah, I think no matter where they go right now, it's looking like an upgrade unless there's a surprise hire that, you know, names that we haven't heard mentioned or haven't mentioned yet. Uh, you never know which direction these things are going to go. Uh, I don't believe Moorhead was mentioned until late in the process a couple of years ago. I may be wrong. I wasn't obviously covering the team at the time, uh, but just sort of being, uh, you know, basically recently off campus uh, as a student at the time, you know, there were, there were some sort of seems like other candidates that were, that were at the, fr the forefront of those conversations. And then all of a sudden Moorhead was higher. Uh, but yeah, I'll, I'll be interested to see how this process plays out and, you know, how many leaks we really see, you know, how much uh, this becomes a little bit more public. Uh, I'm, I'm sure, you know, James Franklin is aware of the backlash he's received for the hire of Ronnie and how people have sort of received Ronnie's departure and kind of been overjoyed by it. Uh, so we'll see how, <laughs> how, you know, he handles it. And maybe there's a, a sort of sense of urgency to, to hit this one out of the park, especially because as you and I have talked about in the past, 2020 could be the year. Uh, it could be the year this team makes the college football playoff. It could be the year that they contend for a national title. There's a ton of talent. There's a lot to figure out. But if if I were focusing on, uh, you know, traits that I would be looking for, first things first, quarterback development, quarterback recruitment. Uh, it's the biggest area this offense needs to improve. They consistently miss out on the highest-end quarterbacks. They get high-end quarterbacks. Justin Fields. Yeah, Fields is the perfect example. They had him in the class. He blows up and he leaves. Um, there are other, you know, uh, recruits that, that are coming up in future classes that Penn State needs to try and, you know, go all out for. And Caleb Williams being one of those in the 2021 class, uh, that's a kid that, you know, from the, the DMV that, that Penn State needs to be all over. And, and right now, you know, Ronnie wasn't putting them in a position to land someone like that. That's the kind of kid that they need to be able to add. Uh, we'll see if they get someone that can do it. Uh, I, I tend to think that they will. And I tend to think that the the priority will be that quarterback development just because we've seen some of the stagnation with guys, uh, Sean Clifford specifically this year, really, you know, stagnated and in some uh, regards took a step back as the year went on. And I understand that he was banged up and everything, but still there were decision-making errors that stayed prevalent throughout the year, but yeah, Penn state's in a spot to make a big upgrade here and it, it could dictate how well the 2020 season goes. Yeah. I feel like everyone, everybody's putting their, their eggs in the basket next year. And, you know, we still have to wait to see, you know, what's going to happen with, with some of the, the older players. Uh, you know, you look at a guy like a, uh, uh, you know, like a KJ Hamler, you know, he's a redshirt sophomore. He can leave early for the NFL. And if he does go, that's obviously going to create a gigantic void in the offense. I mean, it doesn't matter what quarterback guru you have back there. If you're throwing to John Dotson and Matt Kippenhammer and, you know, I guess Daniel George, I mean, you know, this, it would be one thing if Penn State was able to get a game breaker like a Julian Fleming, you know, a five-star recruit that, you know, Ohio State was able to, to, to get a hold of. But, you know, without a weapon like that, KJ Hamler leaves, you know, I, I don't know how Penn State's going to fare. And, and I feel like that's kind of what, you know, everybody's overlooking. I mean, it's great when you have most of your starters returning. Firemuth coming back was absolutely huge uh, for the Nittany Lions. I think he's the, 
you know, apologies to produce tight end, but I think he's the best tight end in, in the Big Ten and, and one of the, the five best in the country. And you know, having him return for another year w- w- was huge. I don't think we'll see him return for another year after that, but, you know, hey, you know, a lot of pieces are coming together. You know, Michael Parsons next year is going to be his last year. Um, you know, you have a, a strong secondary returning, you know, so, you know, there's a lot working in Penn State's favor, but, you know, for me, the key position and what I'm going to be watching, I think KJ Hamler has the key, you know, to a lot of this. So, so I don't mean to get, you know, looking too far ahead, um, you know, into 2020 since, you know, we've still got 2019 here, but, but yeah, you know, I think in the short term, um, you know, who they hire as a coordinator the good thing is a lot of these names we're talking about, a lot of them double as, as quarterback coaches, which, which obviously makes sense, um, you know, if you're the coordinator. So, so obviously that would be, you know, a, a perfect fit for, for, for Penn State at this point. Yeah, and, uh, you know, I think it's really interesting too. You mentioned all those, those pieces coming back in 2020. That should make this job infinitely more attractive too. You know, you've got an offense that's sort of ready-made and a ton of talent on it. And if you can work with a quarterback, you're good to go. Uh, And we've also seen now two offensive coordinators in the past three years under James Franklin have gotten, you know, head coaching jobs. Uh, A a guy in in Ricky Ronnie that isn't well regarded publicly uh, that got a head coaching job after two years as the offensive coordinator. And I think that speaks a lot to to Franklin's uh, connections and his reputation that he has in the industry. And, you know, I I think that should be a positive sign for Penn State as well. If it's an offensive coordinator that's sort of making uh, looking to make that next big jump Moorhead, especially, you know, was at Penn State for two years and jumped to a, a high-level SEC job. Uh, you know, Ronnie was there for two years, had two top 20 offenses, only 39 years old, uh, and, and is, has a head coaching job already. So I think there's a lot of uh, things that go into, those, into this that make this job really attractive and, and should put Penn State in a spot to capitalize. We'll see if they do it. Uh, of course, that's, that's probably the thing, uh, you know, at the foremost of James Franklin's uh, thoughts right now is finding that offensive coordinator, but I'm sure – you know, he will tell everyone that it's on to Memphis, Memphis, Memphis. Uh, but for now, we will also move on to Memphis, Memphis, Memphis. And, uh, you know, Penn State is in the Cotton Bowl. Uh, I know we haven't really mentioned it yet. Uh, they, they got a New Year's Six bid for the third time in the last four years, third different New Year's Six bid. Uh, I'm sure some Penn State fans are disappointed not to be going to Pasadena. Some as... Penn State fans are, are absolutely freaking crazy, too. I just yeah. need to throw that in there because, you know what, no. Let me go on a little rant here, John Sauber, because, you know, it is really hard with, you know, social media to know just how much a vocal minority is a minority. But overwhelmingly, I felt like I heard way too much that, you know, like if you looked at our Facebook comments to the Cotton Bowl story, like I swear there were 20 comments and every single one of the 20 comments was, uh, or, you know, uh, why isn't it the Rose Bowl or, uh, what a crappy bowl. Like, you know, I, I, maybe these are just the people who, who, who don't know what the heck the Cotton Bowl is. I imagine anyone who's listening to our show, they probably, you know, love Penn State football. They, they, you know, they follow it on a weekly basis. They're not just looking at the bowl, you know, once a year. But, I mean, this is one of the six most prestigious bowls in college football you can go to. I mean, this is, you know, just because they're playing a team that's not an Auburn or an Alabama, you know, the, 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 there's one team that's guaranteed to make one of the New Year's Six Bowls, that's the highest ranked group of five team in the past. You know, we've seen a lot of, you know, we, we saw UCF when you know, they were undefeated back in the day. And, you know, th- there could be a lot of good teams with this. I mean, hell, you know, Memphis has, you know, Brady White, who's a Manning Award finalist with, you know, guys like Joe Burrow and, and Justin Fields. And, you know, it's amazing to me that, that anyone can be disappointed with the bowl 
that Penn State is in right now. If you are a, if you're disappointed they're not in the Rose Bowl, I get that. But if you're not happy that they're in the Cotton Bowl, you're freaking crazy. Like you know, I don't know how to say it nicely, so I won't. You're an idiot. Uh, you know, but this this was a huge deal for a team that very few people had winning more than eight or nine games, and I was included. I I thought eight and four was kind of a best case scenario. You had a lot of experts too, like you know, Ryan Leaf, who predicted six and six, you know, I, I thought there was a better chance Penn State would finish five and seven than, you know, 11 and one, uh, or six and six and 11 and one. I mean, it's for how far they've come, you know, I think they should be applauded and, and getting the Rose Bowl. I mean, three New Year six bowls in, in four years. I mean, th th that's incredible. I mean, you know, Penn State is on the up and up. And I think, you know, anybody who's disappointed with that, it's absolutely ridiculous. So again, you know, maybe I'm talking to a straw man that doesn't exist, but I needed to get that off my chest, John Sauber, because that's, it's crazy. Yeah, no, and it's totally understandable too. Uh, it's, it's a, a bit ridiculous, you know, to, to be that upset over, you know, a New Year's Six Bowl. Uh, I, I know people like to think this is a, a prestigious program, which it, it is, you know, it's a, it's a program that has a lot of history, at the same time, it hasn't won a national title in a very long time. Uh, it, you know, the, they have the unclaimed national title from 1994. Before that, the actual claimed one was 1986. Uh, that was a very long time ago. As in, I wasn't alive the last time Penn State won a national title. Uh, you know, it, it, it's just one of those things that, that people are sort of clinging to this false reality, uh, I guess, of, of what the program is and where it should be. It's not Alabama. It's not Clemson. And I'm sorry, but right now it's not Ohio State either. Uh, right now you're a tier below that. And the tier below that is a consistent top 10 team in the country with an occasional college football playoff experience, uh, appearance, which I think is sort of what we expect to come next year. And at least I expect right now that to be, uh, the outcome next year. It's just, it's just a little crazy to me that, that, you know, you could even be upset with, with this kind of efficient, uh, this kind of finish people calling for James Franklin to be fired is just hilarious. Uh, is that a thing too? Uh, don't go on Twitter. I just spend too much time on Twitter and I see it and it's just, it's dumb. It's so I mean, dumb. is that like Rutgers fans saying like, like, see, like I, I would hope point, so. Would... I would hope so. Uh, because it's, it's pretty crazy, you know, to, to think that, that a guy who turned the program around has him in the best position they've been in, in years. And I don't mean just like the last seven, eight years. I mean, the last, 15, 20 years. Uh, he has put them in a position to be in the national conversation every single year. Penn State shows up in the top, showed up in the top four at one point this year as being a team that would be in the playoff had the season ended that day. And I know that doesn't mean anything in the end, but it does matter uh, because he has put this program on the map. He deserves all the credit in the world for that. And, and honestly, Penn State would be lucky to have him as a head coach as, as long as he'll, you know, sort of be in state college. And, and, you know, I'm sure Penn State fans aren't going to love this reminder, but but really, I mean, I, I really think Penn State was an offensive pass interference away from being in the playoff themselves. I mean, if, if Penn State beats Minnesota, Penn State's in the playoff. I mean, they, they've got to be a, a one-loss, you know, Penn State team with a stronger resume than, than Oklahoma. You know, I, I think Penn State is that number four seed if they beat, you know, Minnesota. And the thing that prevented that was that very uh, unique – uh, maybe is a good word to describe it, offensive pass interference call that prevented, you know, setting up Penn State for that, you know, winning touchdown in the winning, you know, the winning moments of that game. So, I mean, that's how close Penn State was, you know, to getting that, that, that playoff berth, you know, this year. So, 
you know, again, you know, we'll see. We've, you know, we've certainly, uh, you know, prior to this year, James Franklin had very limited success against the big three in Michigan, Michigan State, and Ohio State. Um, you know, Michigan struggled the first half of the year. If Penn State would have played Michigan two weeks later, it might have been completely different. Um, you know, Michigan State was one of the biggest surprises of the year, you know, at least for me. You know, again, a, a lot of beat writers thought that this was going to rival the, the, the Rose Bowl year. I mean, it seemed like they had all the pieces together. And then it all just, you know, collapsed. It, they were trying to run more of an up-tempo offense that fell flat on its face and just put the defense on the field for too long. And it was just this incredible ripple effect. So, you know, when those teams do come back or if they are better next year, you know, can James Franklin, you know, continue to beat, you know, the, the, the best of the best? Or was this just a one-year aberration? And, and I, I think it'll be fine next year, but, but we'll see. I don't think, I, I don't think it's uh you know fair yet to say you know hey Penn State's the number two in the Big Ten behind Ohio State I don't think it's solidified you know its place moving forward you know at number two maybe you disagree you know John Sauber maybe you don't but uh, I think he's done a great job don't get me wrong but uh yeah you know it's going to be interesting in 2020. Yeah I would I think they've solidified their spot as the number two team uh mostly because of consistency uh Michigan State has been wildly inconsistent over the last five years uh Mark D'Antonio has seemingly been on the hot seat or national coach of the year. It depends on, you know, what season you catch him on. Uh, Jim Harbaugh is in third place and I assume will be in third place until, you know, the end of time at, at this rate uh, with the way Michigan tends to play every year. They, they seem to drop a game that they shouldn't. They seem to put themselves in uh, bad position time in and time out. And by the time they get things going, it's always too late. And then they meet Ohio state and get crushed anyways. Uh, so, you know, I, I just, I, I do think Penn state solidified its spot as the number two team uh, in, in the big 10. Now, I'm sure there will be years that they don't finish number two. There could be years they finish number one. There could be years they finish three or four. But right now, like, if I were to program or if I were to rank these programs, I would say Penn State is the second best program in the Big Ten. And I don't think I would hesitate yeah, but would too much. Would you have said that the end of last year? You know, I'm just saying, like, you know, it, uh, my feeling is that right now it's still a little bit cyclical. And, you know, absolutely, Penn State now is, is one of the best, you know, that I. I would not argue that Penn State is the second best team in the Big Ten, even if the college football playoff committee might disagree. But, you know, would you have I said that last year? I, I'm just wondering if it's going to last, you know, more than, you know, more than the one season. Yeah, I think I would have. Uh, and I think, again, that goes back to Michigan just not being uh, ever really showing up when they need to. Uh, and and I, I mean, I'm not the biggest Jim Harbaugh fan as a head coach. Uh, I tend to think his style is a little too grading, a little too um, – I'd say it wears down on players uh, quite a bit, uh, and, and we see it on the field. I, I can't imagine, you know, what, what players go through, you know, in practices with him. I tend to think Franklin lends himself to, you know, longevity and, and having players on his side and, and sort of program building, whereas Jim Harbaugh is the kind of guy that wears out his welcome and, and is, you know, all of a sudden bolts before things get too bad, which – I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if the next three or four years he's back in the NFL. But as things stand, I, I still think Penn State – I would say yes. At the end of last year, I still would have said this uh, just because, you know, the, of the consistency. And, and they've won at least nine games in the la all of the last four years, uh, you know, and, and had a real shot at the New Year's Six Bowl last year and just sort of let one loss become two after the Ohio State loss last year and went to Michigan State and lost that game. And, you know, if they, they win that game, they're probably in the New Year's Six Bowl. So – uh, out of outside of one slip up, I think they've consistently been the the second best program in the Big Ten. 
Well, I would say, you know, I'm trying to look up here. I, I, I'm pretty sure that, that Franklin against Michigan and Michigan State, um, you know, since he's gotten here, you know, he's, he's two and four, you know, against both programs. And, you know, last year against Michigan, obviously, you know, they, they, they lost, you know, 42 to seven. Um, so that's just why, you know, again, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll see next year. I mean, this is all about, you know, time and, and uh, you know, kind of, you know, maintaining that consistency. So, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens. But, you know, I, I'm kind of curious, you know, moving forward, at least, you know, for this bowl, John Sauber, you know, what do we know about Memphis at this point? Uh, yeah, we know that they won't have Mike Norvell, uh, <laughs> which is a pretty big detriment for Memphis. Uh, Ryan Silverfield will be the interim head coach. And, you know, uh, from everything I've read, it looks like he's an actual candidate to be the, the full-time head coach uh, there at Memphis, which, you know, could play into their favor if he gets named the job, sort of rally around him. Uh, he's their offensive line coach this year. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, it's a high powered offense who can put up points on anyone in the country, but that was under Norvell and under his play calling. So we, there's sort of a team that has a lot of unknowns right now. And, you know, we'll continue to dig into this Memphis team as, uh, as we get closer to the bowl game, we're still about two weeks out here, but right now, like they, they really are unknown. Uh, we know what they have on the field, but we don't know how it's going to play out because we don't know who's going to be calling plays. We don't know how effective they are as a play caller. We don't know how well they, uh, they have a feel for the offense. Uh, you know, uh, it'll be interesting to watch. But, but like you mentioned, Brady White is going to be the focal point of this team. Uh, at one time, I believe he was at Arizona State, was a four-star quarterback when he was in high school. Uh, High-level recruit, Penn State uh, recruited him and ultimately stayed out west. Uh, but, yeah, they're, they're a really, really good offense when they've got the right play caller. Uh, it all just sort of comes down to whether or not they have the right play caller. And if that's Silverfield, you know, who knows at this point? There's there's no real way to tell. We haven't seen him call plays uh, because Norvell has been at the helm there. Uh, and Norvell, obviously, for those who don't know, took the head coach job at Florida State, uh, has decided not to coach the bull game, and we'll move on uh, to Tallahassee there uh, as soon as possible, basically, and, and get, get rolling down there in Florida. But, yeah, uh, th this, this Memphis team is interesting. Uh, we talked about this sort of being a no-win situation for Penn State. I, I don't know how I feel about that with this Memphis team in particular, because they do have some traction nationally. People know about Memphis. People know that Norval got the job at Florida state. Uh, it would be different. I think if it were a team like Cincinnati, where it's, yeah. it's a, it's a, it's a, an uninspiring team uh, led by a, a head coach. That's probably going to be there next year in Luke fickle. Um, but yeah, uh, it's going to be interesting to see how, you know, motivated Penn state will be for this game. If you know anything about them, uh, it's that their mantra is going to be one and zero, and I would assume they would take it seriously. And and if that's the case, I would expect Penn State to win big. Really, Penn State to win big. Well, I, I'm curious, uh, just how I, I think this matchup is really good. You know, on paper, I I think this has the potential to be really interesting. I know you said you you, you don't think it's going to be close, but you know everybody knows what Penn State's weakness is. I mean, Pat Narduzzi said it back in September. It's it's the secondary, and you know what's the one thing Memphis does really well pass you know we we talked about Brady White they also have a great running back I want to say he was the, the the conference running back of the year you know so so there's definitely some talent on this offense and you know it has one of the the top 10 offenses statistically in the country it has one of the the top 10 scoring offenses in addition to producing yards um so you know we could see fireworks this this should not be a you know a 17 10 you know or 17 15 type of Iowa game you know this should be you know more like Indiana so, yeah, you know, I, I think when you first hear the, the opponent, you know, if you're not really familiar with college football, maybe it sounds like, uh, you know, it wouldn't be that exciting. But, you know, I definitely think it has the potential to, you know, be a, you know, certainly one worth watching. And, 
you know, Cotton Bowl, Penn State hasn't been there since 1975. So, I mean, hey, you know, if you're a Penn State fan, you know, uh, you know, what's wrong with going to Dallas once every 43 years? Yeah, exactly. It's not like we're talking about back-to-back years here. And who needs Pasadena anyways? Uh, sorry, they go to Florida I... every year. I've had enough of Florida. <laughs> but yeah, no, you're right. This this should be an exciting game. Uh, and when I say Penn State should win big, I, I want to clarify that. I think Memphis is going to put up some points. I just think this could end up being a, you know, 45-28 Penn State win in the end just because the defense at Penn State is so good uh, that, that they'll be able to get enough stops. And Memphis defense is – slightly well not slightly above average they're above average uh, sp plus has them ranked i believe 35th in the country the the really interesting matchup here is the special teams units uh these are two of the top 10 special team units in the country uh both you know really well coached joe lorg of course <laughs> yeah, was at memphis great. before he was uh got hired at penn state uh, this past off season so you know there's there's a connection there obviously but two really really good special teams units i'm hoping for trick plays uh from both teams i really want them i love them so much especially in a bowl game there's no reason not to use them and I would assume we get some trickery from the special teams uh, in this matchup and I'm sorry I I didn't mean to interrupt there but you know I just got to say because you know I was just reminded we have not seen that KJ Hamler trick play where he falls into the end zone you know tries to blend in with the white and then pops back up when you know his opponent receives the ball we haven't seen that since since Penn State tried it and uh, what what happened on that play? Was it touchback or, you know, fair caught? Yeah, Journey Brown fair caught the ball, and then K.J. Hamler got very angry that he fair <laughs> caught the ball. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, you know, something like that. I mean, Penn State has, has had that in their back pocket, you know, now all season long, and, and they haven't tried it since. So, so yeah, it seems like we're kind of due for, you know, a little bit of trickeration in that regard. So, um, you know, certainly whoever is going to be the, the interim offensive coordinator for Penn State, you know, certainly you mentioned Tyler Bowen. I think that makes a lot of sense. You know, uh, you know, they'll want to leave their mark, too, and, you know, probably have a player or two up their sleeves that, you know, uh, it's going to be a little bit of a job interview. And even if it's not for Penn State, you know, these are guys that, you know, could, could certainly be in the running for some, you know, coordinator positions in, in the near future. I mean, you know, look at, I mean, Joe Brady was a, was a graduate assistant at Penn State, and, and the way he's risen up the ranks has, you know, really been incredible. So, so yeah, you know, I, I think there's a lot to watch in, in this bowl game, and I think, you know, if you think this is not an interesting bowl game, it's just because you have not been paying attention. Yeah, I, I, I'm with you. I think it'll be a lot of fun. Uh, two fun teams to watch offensively. Uh, you know, I, I think, you know, we covered a lot uh, this episode, especially with the offensive coordinator search. Uh, we'll dive more into Memphis as we get closer to the game next week. Of course, National Signing Day. Uh, talk a little bit of recruiting next week. Might have some more clarity on the offensive coordinator search by then. Who knows? Uh, we don't really, have, you know, there's no definitive timeline for when Penn State's going to make that hire. Uh, that's, you know, stuff to look forward to in the coming weeks from us. Of course, uh, that'll do it for this week's episode, though, of airing it out. You can find us, as always, on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, and TuneIn. Uh, if you want to read Josh and I's writing, you can subscribe to a sports pass from the Center Daily Times at centerdaily.com backslash sports podcast. Of course, follow us on Twitter at, at by Josh Moyer and at John Sauber. Thanks for tuning in and have a great day.